And welcome to Liquid Lunch. It's me, Hugh, and Hildegard's in unusually today on a Wednesday. Hildegard, right? Yeah. But I'm glad I came. Well, I'm really glad we're you came. We're going to have too. an awesome show. Well, we're going to have this day is going to be nuts here at that channel. It's already nuts, of course. And beautiful, too. I highly recommend people do come in just for a visit to look at the incredible art that is on the walls here. Yes, we're working with the Norman Felix Gallery. Also, I should say, anybody watching this, uh, we're having a big event. It's the launch event for the art on uh, the 26th of May. Beautiful. So we should all come down and, and have some fun. But uh, right now we've got uh, Christopher Oliphant and Rona Smitherum joining us here and uh, great to have you guys on the show and we are really uh, looking forward to this conversation because um, your website is radicalacceptance.com right and you've got the book Hildegard's holding up the book there, we there go. it is but we've also got there's another item that we would need to talk the, about the cards right and it looks like an awesome gift for Mother's Day, Christmas, kids going off to university, you name it. Or just anybody that wants to get their life together. Mm -hmm. And you guys, you guys are life coaches. So let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us how this work came about, if you could. How did it come about? It, it was a long and uh, a route that took, uh, a journey that took many, many curves. Uh, we have been involved in, in personal growth ourselves, uh, initially and then with clients for the last 30 years and uh, we were I'm the kind of person that asks interesting questions like what does life mean and, and how does this all work mm -hmm. and one of the things I struggled with is what does what does self-love mean like, mm -hmm. what does that mean and and most of the time when I'd ask I'd get interesting answers like you know it means love yourself and I said well that's not very useful no it isn't <laughs> So we began looking and researching, exploring, and eventually came to the place of, of looking at acceptance, acceptance of ourself, acceptance of all of the crazy things that we were doing with our clients. And eventually we came to the place of saying acceptance is what we are about. And we were actually sitting in a bar in Thailand, and someone said, what do you do? And we said, we do acceptance. We do radical acceptance. And that was Rona who came up with that. Mm. And that is what we are about, trying to help people to see and accept all of who they are. Most people will say that they accept themselves. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I love myself. I accept myself, except for. And then they give us a big, long list of everything that, you know, they don't like about themselves. So for us, that's like being a little bit pregnant. Either mm -hmm. you accept yourself and all of who we are, or um, we are in conflict with ourselves. And typically we have a very strong critical judge and um, a, a to-do list that's quite extensive and unachievable. And so we are in our head rather than in our heart, right? I can very much relate to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, life is good, but. Yeah, exactly. And anytime we have a but, there's, there's conflict. Yeah. And we're not accepting ourselves. It sounds like um, Dalai Lama taught that, or is his premise, to really be good with what is here and now. And in that sense of appreciation, things change, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than always anticipating the next step. And there's much written about the power of now right. and being here. And yet it doesn't help us, does it, Hildegard? Well, knowing is one mm -hmm. thing, practicing it and actually being it. That's well, that's... See, and, and, you know, I'm looking at the book here, guys, and it says, uh, the subtitle is... Uh, you cannot be fixed, that's right. right? 
And I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that because I kind of want to be fixed. Right. Yeah. You know. That's right. Exactly. So can mm -hmm. you can you talk about that a little bit? So, I used to run around thinking that I was always Mr. Kind, sensitive, and gentle. And I convinced myself that that was true. Now, no one around me believed it, but I convinced myself it was true. Mm -hmm. And what was happening is that because I wasn't taking ownership of that, uh, to myself, who can be quite nasty, that it was expressing itself unconsciously and much more often than I ever would have acknowledged. You mean the nastiness, the nasty yes, party. That's right. Yeah. And I can remember the day someone confronted me with being insensitive. I became extremely angry. How could they possibly call me anything but sensitive? And I began to look and take ownership of how insensitive I could be. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I accepted that I could be insensitive, I, for the first time in my life, had a choice as to whether or not this occasion called for sensitivity or a more direct, direct approach. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so in accepting my, my ability to be insensitive, my ability to be the asshole or the, the bitch or whatever, I actually w was able to be more creative in how I expressed it and needed to express it less often. Am I going to get rid of my asshole? No. You know, that kind of reminds me, like, people talk about, and I've never really quite understood it, right? But people talk about, you know, everybody's got a shadow. Mm -hmm. that, that's an aspect of our, I don't know, Jungian thing, or mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm talking exactly. about, obviously, mm -hmm. right? But, uh, and is, it sounds like, is that, is that what that is? That's an example, yes. So you got to take ownership of it. Because I do know, so I, I, do, I mean, we, you know, interpersonal dynamics are difficult no matter what. Yes. Right? And especially for roommates or sometimes people that work together, right? And people, it seems to me, a lot of people, they, they, kind of like what you're talking about, Christopher, is that they have a, an idea of themselves, right? But when that idea of themselves is uh, juxtaposed with other people, right, and, and those personal dynamics get to, it seems to me there's like, they have huge blind spots. Mm -hmm. Yes, about, we do. About, they don't want to accept that they got some dark stuff. Yep. Right? They just want to see all the light all the time. Yep. So is Yes. So our w So what was your turning point then? How did you become aware of that very blind spot? And we all have them. Because was, we are living in a dualistic yep. world. Right? I was at a cottage and I was talking with someone. It was someone that I, I liked and respected and they said, You know, Chris, you have been extremely insensitive. It it totally threw me but I couldn't ignore it coming from the person that it came from. And so I had to step back. It, it took me a while. And I was initially extremely angry. I, I went for a long walk and eventually was able to, to, to begin to look inside with a great deal, of more, great deal more honesty. One of the things that we call people in our principles of radical acceptance is it requires a great deal of brutal honesty. And I'm not suggesting we go around and be brutally honest with others. It's, it's inwardly directed, mm. to be brutally honest with ourselves, And yes, we all have a shadow side, mm. and, and our failure to own our shadow side, not only is it coming out in ways that we don't want, it's robbing us of our very power of life, because there's so much power in the shadow energies that we carry. Anger, for example, 
oh, no one wants to get angry. Angry is bad. We shouldn't ever get angry. Except that we have an organization, for example, MAD, mm -hmm. Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, a woman who became angry when her daughter was killed by a drunk driver who created incredible social change. When I was young, drinking and driving was nothing. It was a, it was a ticket if, you were, if it was a bad day. Mm -hmm. Now it's a huge social stigma, as it should be. And her anger created very positive change in our culture. So it's about harnessing. Because if we try to fight those shadow aspects of ourselves, that is a fight that I guarantee you will lose. Mm. If you accept it, they can begin to serve you. You know, but, you know, people don't know what they don't know sometimes. Mm -hmm. right? right. And so, uh, I mean, it's difficult, I find, sometimes, right, even talking to people. Maybe I should just be talking to myself, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you got a big thing you not even know about yourself, right? Right. You know, I got to do that for me. But, you know, what do you do when you're encountering other people that obviously have a problem? Well, well for us, we look at the, um, if a person or an event grabs you with some energy. Yeah. One of the first principles of radical acceptance is that every event is neutral. So if there's a charge on that event, mm -hmm. it belongs to you. So that's an invitation. It's a gift to go inside. So let's say somebody lied to you and that gets you going. And so it's about taking a breath and saying, oh, okay, I was just lied to. That is a neutral event mm -hmm. because we can, the event itself is not inherent to any particular feeling. If somebody lies to me, I could burst out in tears. Somebody lies to you, you could get angry. Somebody lies to somebody else, they could get really fearful. So the emotion attached to our events is personal. So that being, then you can go inside, you can take a breath and say, well, where do I lie in my life? Because now you're looking at the projection to say, okay, well, you know, maybe I don't lie about having affairs, but I lie on my income tax, or I lie to get my kids into a restaurant so it doesn't cost me so much, or I'll lie to my boss about being sick and not going into work. So we look at the areas where we are lying and saying, okay, this person is also human. I can recognize my liar. I can take ownership for that. And it begins to diffuse the situation between you two. Now, they may never, ever take ownership for their shadow side. Mm -hmm. But it's not about them. It's about you. So question, somebody is in denial. Yep. Like, you know, Christopher was saying mm -hmm. there was a person he valued very much. And there you were able to hear the truth about yourself, yep. right? Like lack like of sensitivity in those days. How do you then deal with people who continuously not want to hear and they are on the receiving end of the lies and the sensitivities? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking now personal relationships where certain things have to happen for the household to mm -hmm. function. How, how do people deal with that when it's they're in this situation? Do they then need to forget about the aggressor and then look after self? Or does it work to drag well, husband and wife in? If you have an expectation, if I know that you are going to lie to me, I'm not going to come expecting the truth. So immediately I am going to have an expectation about what my relationship is like with you. 
I may not cut you out of my life because you lie to me. I may find other aspects of our relationship that are very fulfilling. So it's about, about dealing with our expectation and what we're going to that person for. If our expectation is unrealistic, then we're setting ourselves up for suffering and misery and conflict. Right, and that is the principle, let's say, of most abusive, dysfunctional relationships, right? Having an expectation of somebody else. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to find out, what can you suggest to people who seem to be in this non-satisfying place and it's painful, what can they do? Now that they heard you say, well, it's all about us. What, well, what is your suggestion? There are further steps. The first thing is, uh, in terms of, let's say, an abusive relationship. My work as a life coach with someone in an abusive relationship is, first of all, to explain to them and to demonstrate to them that they're in an abusive relationship because they're in denial of the very abuse that's happening. The, the next thing is that just because I've accepted that my partner is abusive, so let's, I've, I've done the work, I now fully accept my partner is abusive. So the, we don't want to stop there. Just pure acceptance makes us doormats, and I'm not interested in becoming a doormat. So the next steps in our, we, we call it our wheel, is to make a plan. But what am I going to do? I'm in a relationship with an abusive partner. Is that something I want to continue living with, or do I want to make a new choice? And then the, the final, the sixth step of the wheel is to say, all right, now I need to act. So if you were lied to, you may need to go back and say, by the way, this is what I plan to do around this communication that happened. And the person in the abusive relationship is, also needs to make a plan, make the plan based in reality, something that, that they can do, and then they need to act. So it isn't just about acceptance. It's a full wheel that says event, uh, discovery, integration, so how am I an abuser or how am I also a liar, and then into plan and act. Yeah, because it always takes an enabler for the abuse to happen, right? That's right. So you have these beautiful cards in front of us. We do. Walk us through this. Can Let's we do something? Can we yes. help Hildegard? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't seem to have a need for help. <laughs> Certainly. So one of the other tools but that yes, we brought with us. But yes, obviously, I'd be glad to be a guinea pig if need be. Sure. We brought these cards, and you were asking again about how you could know more about yourself. and use these cards to help with that. Oh, here we go. I don't know. Maybe we're going to... Okay, here we go. So, Rona's spreading them out in front of Hildegard. So, I'm just picking a card? Or do I have to have a certain intention? Like, I would like to get my writing or my poetry published and nope. back forward. Just tell her what to do, oh, doesn't matter. I want you to draw one card from each pile. Okay, one card from And me. let's just start with that. Okay, and... All right. Okay. And we turn them over. Yeah. And put the small card in the middle of the large card with the printing upright, oh. and you can turn it around and have a look. Hold it in the camera. Very nice. So the little card goes fits in the middle in there. of the big card. And this is all part of this beautiful little That's book right. and card kind of package That's right. you've so created. Please continue, Christopher. And okay. So the cards, I, I. Can we just have a quick look? Yeah. Certainly. We have attachment overused. Failure. Okay. I do it too. What is it? Attachment? Attachment. Yeah. So this is the archetype card. Uh-huh. This is our, the main focus of the card, and it's the failure archetype. Uh-huh. Okay, so we, we do a lot of young. So our failure archetype is 
it can act out in different ways and we have four different cards but you have attachment uh -huh. and overuse. So um, Chris is going to sure. talk about... So in terms of your book, which is what you were asking about, uh -huh. what the card is saying is that it's like you expect it to fail. Really? You have, you have taken this, this failure energy of what I do doesn't work out, uh, there's no point finding a publisher, uh, it's too hard, it's not going to work, no one's going to want it, that kind of energy, and you're overusing it. And to begin to step back from that and say, well, how can I create, write a new story? A story about uh, this book can, can have some, some audience. People w might be interested in it because you, this, this story of failure, you're playing out, uh, you're overusing. That's the word at the bottom. You're overusing how it. How fascinating. That is amazing. People already told me that you got to get this story out. This is really good. Help me a lot. Blah, blah, blah. And you say, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to do one. Okay. Can I do one too? You can. Okay, so. And uh, then let's ask how you came up with this. This is incredible. Does he yeah. not have to have these in here? We can. Well? can. Can I come back in? Come on. <laughs> he doesn't want failure. Well, it wouldn't be just. Let's just mix it up a little so he has an equal opportunity here, right? No, you're right. Thank you, Hildegard. Otherwise, you'd be Thank deprived you. of the wisdom might, of the cards. I might be pulling the same two cards. You never know. It has well, happened. Maybe not. I'm not looking for it, but. There you go. Yeah, no, but it's good. Okay, so it just doesn't matter what order? No. Nope. Something like that? Okay, I'm going to pick this one here. But it's just interesting, the accuracy of it. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, there is an underpinning of me thinking, who okay, cares? Right? Yep. Should I turn them over? You sure. can. Which one first? Does it matter? Doesn't matter. The big card. Boy, I got attachment again. All Sorry. right. And then I got this other card. Uh-oh. Okay, it says asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but it says something on the boss. Slash there. bitch. Right. Right, and then not nice with a slash. Can I just hold that yep. up? And uh, that's and what's what that looks like. Attachment block. Blocked. Yeah. Okay. Asshole, bitch. Not nice. What does right. that mean? So what that is saying to me is that it could say one of two things, but, but I'm going to go with, with one in particular. Uh... You do have a tendency, you, you, you can be not nice. That's true. Yep. And. <laughs> <laughs> All around. I can't yes. believe our camera. <laughs> <laughs> just acknowledge that. But let yeah. me just. Wait, no, no, no. I can be a bitch too, right? Yeah, of course. So. Yeah, but we, this isn't about you. <laughs> it's all good. We love you anyway. And there are times when there are things that you want that are getting blocked from your tendency to be an asshole at times. This doesn't always happen. So, so for some assholes, it, it, it's a feeling like if I, if I ask for it strongly enough, I'm going to get it. And, and while you may get the immediate thing you're looking for, it has other costs. So the, some of the thing, other secondary things that you would like, because the top word of the card is attachment, so those mm -hmm. are things that you want in your life, things mm -hmm. you desire. Mm -hmm. you're, you may not be getting as much as you want. You're blocking some of that from your tendency to... Uh, not always be nice in your interactions with people. Mm, interesting. Okay. So if you had drawn this card, the, the asshole card, power balanced, yeah. it would have been a very different reading. Right. Same archetype, yeah. but different. Um, well, we call the top word the motivation. The what, motivation, What need is the archetype trying to get met? And the bottom word is the relationship. What's your relationship to that archetype? I see. So if it were pow power balanced, we might be saying something like, 
you know when to use your asshole and when not to, and you're able to move powerfully in the world with that. It would be a very different reading. Okay. So let's follow up on Hildegard's question. How did you guys come up with this? Because it's <laughs> very interesting. I mean, it's really cool how the, the one card goes inside the other card, yes. and it's just very cool. Well, we knew we wanted to write about archetypes because we use them a lot in our work with our clients. So people will come in and they will be living out of the martyr, you know, poor me, poor mm -hmm. me, living out of the victim where, oh, you know, life is all about misery and suffering, or living out of the wounded child, constantly recounting their, their, their tales of woe, or uh, very much a thinker or a feeler. And, and so we were using those archetypes very often in our work. We wanted to write a book, so we started writing and it failed. And we started again and it continued to fail. And it failed for one of either two reasons. Either I was oversimplifying the archetype, mm -hmm. in which case it didn't work for me. Oops, sorry about that. Or it was too complicated because the archetype is multidimensional. Mm -hmm. And I'd pretty much given up, and I was at a show, and at the show they were using tarot cards and things. And it suddenly occurred to me that if we use the cards, if we, if we represent the archetypes as cards, both with the, the archetype as the foreground, but the background being able to modify the card, then we could get both the simplicity of explaining the archetype, but the complexity of the relationships to the archetype and the context of the relationships uh, expressed together. So the book describes, here are the motivations, we, so we want to get security needs met, we want to get attachment needs met, and so on. Here's the relationships, you're blocked, you're balanced, you're, you're overusing or underusing, and then here's the archetype, and it allows people to assemble them together in, in the context of their life and in the context of the reading. So, so that's how the cards in the book work together? The book that's, kind well, of is like, no? there's a, If you open up the box. Mm -hmm. Oh, here we go. It's, it's that book. Oh, that so book. Yeah. It's a different okay. kind of book. Yeah. In, in, like a little... Slim it's a guidebook for that's right. cards, right? That's right. The first book talks about archetypes in a general sense. We introduced the child yes. and the adult archetype in our first book, and then we, our second book, we had wanted to get into archetypes in a bigger way, mm -hmm. and that's how uh, the cards were born. So Now, do you recommend people just using the cards themselves, or do they need kind of the guidance that you guys can obviously provide because this is the kind of work you do? Initially, initially, it helps to have some guidance. The cards are a little more complicated than an average deck that someone might use for self-discovery. Self uh, and if you're familiar with archetypes, familiar with Young, then it would be something you'd be able to take up easily. Otherwise, you could meet with us. I, I used to meet with one person, and we would just go over the deck. We would draw some cards, and he would, he would say, well, this is what it means to me. And I could say, yeah, that works, or maybe thought about this. And so I, I met with them in that basis. We also use them whenever we do workshops. We often begin a segment of the workshop with a check-in, so we get people to draw a card, mm -hmm. and it helps put their check-in into a context. I mean, I'm almost thinking that uh, really these cards could be used by any number of practitioners to mm -hmm. help their clients, mm -hmm. and that you could be t training, you know, training practitioners how to use this as a as yeah, one approach. Yeah, that's a Yes. Um, so. Yeah, may I ask a question? So it's good to have this understanding, right? The question now is, so I have attachment, and when I put this in here, I'm okay. blocked. Understanding is one thing. Please speak to the integration or the actual homework you would send me home with 
to, in my case, get over the attachment overview, uh, overuse and actually come to attachment balance, let's right. say. And so there are certain things in my daily thought patterning, mm-hmm. my language pattern, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and I must probably change my action, how I spend my day, the things I do initially, to actually get to that yeah. different state, no? Yes. Initially, we encourage people just to become aware because if it's blocked um, or if they're not totally aware of what's going on, so we ask them to, to become aware during the day when the bitch or asshole has come out. In this out. case, failure. Or oh, failure. In my case, in failure. failure. Yeah. Um, so when are the thoughts present around uh, failing? And not just in regards to your book, but maybe parenting, maybe your job, Other maybe things. relationship. Uh-huh. So you begin to become aware of how much time are you putting yourself down? How many times are you giving yourself thoughts, failure thoughts? And we work with that over a period of time. Then we begin to get you to score. How effectively are you doing putting yourself down? Is it, are you really doing a good job? Can you give yourself a score of an 8 or 9 out of a 10? Or did you only put yourself down a little bit and you're only going to score 1 or 2? So the scoring begins to, again, bring us into awareness of how much power that archetype is really having influence in our day-to-day life. And through the scoring, we begin to look at that energy decreasing and beginning to open up other options for other thoughts, other decisions that we're making. So if you begin to have a, a negative thought about failure, you can say, oh, you know what, been there, done that. Um, I'm going to plug into, um, I'm going to sit down and send off a note to my editor. So you are doing something that is counter to your negative thinking. Right. So we, the first step, if I hear you correct, is this can help someone to become aware right. of their inner dialogue. They realize what the archetype is. Mm-hmm. And, and you what can guide them along to just first homework for this week yep. would be coming aware of my stinking thinking. <laughs> yeah, stinking thinking is good. Right. Yep. And then as I become aware and I notice where I'm afraid to take a new action, I will then make it in spite of feeling uneasy with That's it. That's right. And so as I develop the skill with you holding my hand, then mm-hmm. things will evolve. This is a very, very brilliant concept. Yeah. Back to archetypes, though. And you mentioned earlier we are multidimensional beings. Mm-hmm. Could you just speak to that a little bit more? Because people may not be aware what it means to be the, the archetype. How significant is it to the functioning of the human being? Well, we like to tell the story of an orchestra. So you've been to an orchestra, and we have violins and tubas and, and so on, and there's a conductor up at the front, and he's with his baton conducting the orchestra. And if he conducts it well and everyone... Uh, directs the instruments, when to play, when not to play, how loud, how soft, you end up with a beautiful orchestra. Symphony. And the, the goal is to do the same thing with our archetypes. Our archetypes become our instruments, and we as conductor can call upon the archetype in the appropriate situation. If I'm going into the bank to get a loan, to bring in my playful child is probably not that useful, mm-hmm. but to bring in the responsible adult would be very useful. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to the park with my kids, to bring to only the responsible adult, we're not going to have a lot of fun. I need my playful child to come along as well. So it's to know 
become aware of and direct which archetype you're going to call on in any given situation. Most often, we are not the conductor. The archetypes will come in and let's say the violin comes in to conduct the orchestra. What kind of music are you going to hear? The violin can only play violin music. So that's the only music you are going to hear. The same with our archetypes. If me as the conductor is not at the podium and one of my archetypes decides to become the conductor, then that's the music that you're going to hear because they, that's their job. The critical judge's job is to be critical. It's not going to phone you up one day and say, oh, by the way, I'm really sorry I'm being hard on you. The critical judge's job is to be critical. So how do we harness that in a productive way that it can be much more functional? So if we take failure, uh, failure can be very useful. Learning from mistakes is something that many people have used to make very significant changes in their life. Uh, on the other hand, if you're needing help doing this book, calling on failure is not going to help you. You might want to call on the inner parent that can, that can encourage you and support you. You might want to call on the adult that says, I'm going to act on what I know is the right thing to do regardless of how I feel. Because while feelings are wonderful, if we use them to run our life, it, we often end up in, in tricky situations because feelings change a lot. So our archetype of different perspectives, they actually, when we apply them or we, as, as you said, become aware first mm -hmm. and get a handle of who it is that runs the ship, and then I can consciously take charge. Right. Chances are all these archetypes can be called upon like the conductor. I can be the That's person right. who calls on what I need. Right. Sounds very, very fascinating. Where, where are your office? How can people work with you? We have an office. Uh, we rent space out of the Toronto Healing Arts Center, uh -huh. which is at Christie and Bloor. Yeah. And uh, that's we can set up appointments there. And Skype. We do a lot of Skype work, yes. We uh, work with people all over the world. Yeah. And, and uh, like, who are the, what kind of people really should consider coming and, and talking to you guys? Well, the main people that we work with are people who are interested in personal growth, who have perhaps tried some of the quick fix and grand promise schemes, uh, and it hasn't worked, and are looking for something that's more grounded. Mm -hmm. Yes, we don't make promises that you're going to get fixed right away. What we say is if you apply these principles and work with them consistently, you can make significant changes in your life. And we have countless clients that we can draw on to, to show that. So it's people that want something a little more real, a little less, a little less uh, grandiose and, and pie-in-the-sky kind of, of, of therapy. Now, do you have a story of someone, like a success story or a, an example of how the work really had a... Uh, measurable oh and uh, impact on somebody that just to sure we have yeah. several mm -hmm. we're just trying to draw on one um, there's a, a young woman yeah. and when we first met her she was so caught up in self-doubt and self essentially self-hate uh, she was paralyzed in her life unable to to make any move forward or backward mm -hmm. And uh, we began working with her, began exploring how much she was getting out of hating herself. Because anything we use, we're getting value out of in some way. always, right? That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, yeah. right Hildegard? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. So, so we agree on that. The two of us are totally agreed. <laughs> so we worked with her and began to explore what it would be like to 
begin to accept this, this victim, the self-hate, and all of the, the patterns she was in, and begin to use that to begin to write a new story. Mm -hmm. Now, she is now living much more at home with herself. She is much more comfortable in her skin. She's now able to, uh, she, she, she's in a position where she's not working a lot, and she's very comfortable with that instead of being, oh, I should have a job, oh, I should do this, oh, I should do that. No, it's, it's now, this is who I am. I am proud of who I am, and I'm going to begin to work from there instead of all of the self-hate and, and the downward spiral that she used to go into. It's remarkable to see what she's doing with her life. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, you mentioned, um, you mentioned the self, uh, it's, a, it's a life coach thing, right? right. But it, that can help on, you know, that can be help at any number of different levels. Yes, we, we have worked with uh, people who have struggled with addictions, yeah. um, getting either harm reduction or getting themselves clean, going back to work. I mean, lots of different um, variables. Yeah, going back to school. There's a yeah. young woman that we've been working with now who's uh, going to be going into a Master's of Social Work program come the fall. When we first met her, she was ca so caught up in indecision, she didn't know what she wanted to do. Again, just that spinning and spinning. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we helped her get in touch with her, with her gypsy. She ended up spending some time abroad, and then she came home and now wants to, now is ready to take up her life as she has moved from the, a very helpless child into an adult who is moving much more powerfully in the world. And then the book itself. Yes. Um, wh who is the book for? Who should read it, and what are they going to get out of it? Again, it's someone wanting to do personal growth work. It's a self-help book. Yeah. It's a self-help book that avoids the, 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 the traps of rah-rah therapy. You know rah-rah mm -hmm. therapy? You can do it. You can do it. Right? And, and you go out of the office all pumped and it works until the, the adrenaline runs out and yeah. then you crash. Yeah. Right? So this is, this, we're trying to avoid those traps. We want to give people real tools they can use. For me, the purpose of my work yeah. is so you don't need me. Yeah that you have the tools and you can use the tools and that's what the book is about. Using those tools, using the material of the book to, to learn and develop your use of those tools so you don't need to visit a life coach or a therapist or whatever else you might want to want to visit. It may be not the proper time, but if I can still ask sure. one question. Yeah, yeah. Is it unique to our time that human beings seem to be struggling with trying to figure out what makes us tick as a human being or is this something that's been around as long as humanity is around? What right is now your I'm, thought on that? I'm doing a lot of reading of, of 2,500 year old Buddhist Pali scriptures and you know what? They were busy trying to figure themselves out and you go through the Middle Ages, Descartes was trying to figure himself out, mm -hmm. Plato was trying to figure himself out. This is not new. What, what is new is our need for instant fixes and quick solutions. The, 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 the prescription pill has become like a, a sort of model for our culture. If it's fixed, take a pill, you're fixed. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not that simple. <clears throat> and that's what's new in, in this day and age. So then getting to know myself rather than wanting you to give me the fix, mm -hmm all by itself sounds right. like a lot more empowering a process yes. than and me and depending on coming to you mm -hmm. giving me the fix, right? right. I, I like that, that the byline says, you know, you don't need to be fixed. No. It can't be fixed. We are There's all nothing human broken, beings. really, right? There isn't is anything broken. 
So that, does we it take human. the stigma away when you have people come to your office? Because oftentimes people may not even want to consider self-evolvement or self-discovery mm -hmm. or whatever. Because um, they're blind to their blind spot. Yeah. And, and ultimately we can't fix everybody. Yeah. If someone is blind and chooses to continue to be blind regardless of the feedback they get, I can't fix that. If They're not going to show up at my door, first of all. Mm -hmm. And if they do, they probably won't like what I have to say. All right. So, all right. So, people watching this right now, what would be the first step if they want to get in touch and find out more? Is the website a good place to start? Get website is a good place to start. It has links to buy the book through Amazon and links for us to contact us to get the cards. The cards okay. and our phone number. So, radicalacceptance.com. And is there anything else you'd like to say that maybe we didn't ask you that uh, <laughs> you want to let people know about before we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, talking on the instant fix. Since this, this doesn't happen, and I know it's not some people saying coming for two or three sessions and they'll be okay. People need to bring time. Is that mm -hmm. what I hear you say? It's mm -hmm. a process, It's a right? process. It's like getting a university degree or something. That's right. Like that. It's a layered process. Very much a layered process. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks for coming in today. It's been a great conversation. Most enlightening. Really Thank interesting you. cards in the book, of course, Accepting the Radical. You cannot be fixed. I'm not sure if that's good news or bad news, but... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for out. having us. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks We're so going to take a little break here on Liquid Lunch. We'll be right back after this. That's channel.com.